This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 11-17 on KMOX, the home of the Cardinals, and we're wondering when are we going to hear baseball again, and that is where we bring in post-dispatch beat writer Derek Gould, the award-winning. Congratulations on your terrific award. Once again, the best sports writer in the state of Missouri, Derek. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, and then a nice, nice honor to share with uh, John Rooney, who is now the sportscaster of the year for the state of Missouri. So nice little nod to uh, to St. Louis in that regard. Yes, something indeed. probably about the uh, team we cover as much as how well we do it, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I just talked about that before the break. Is that you know I get <clears throat> I get all fired up this time of year because I'm ready for spring training to start and and for our incredible listeners and, and fan base to engage with us. And, and I am one who have always loved negative and positive feedback because it's the passion that stirs within the fan base. And it is remarkable, isn't it? How much care is put into this team. I will say that uh, with as someone who grew up here, people care so much about this team that there is a, a bit of a void right now for me uh, what about for you, someone who covers it on a daily basis? Yeah, you know, there's just not a whole lot of um, forward progress towards the season. You know, it's like this would be time. I mean, think back, right, a year ago at this time, they just made the Arenado trade and, you know, really, really radically changed the, the look of their offseason. Um, you know, taking on that huge contract, Arenado being such a big part of forcing – that deal to take place, doing all he could to make that deal tra- take place, just all of it. And, and then a few days before that, they had signed uh, Adam Wainwright. And right about this time was when Yadier Molina was coming back from the Caribbean World Series to sign his contract with the Cardinals. So you had the remarkable action in all of seven days, eight days, and now there's just nothing. I mean, there's some minor league signings because they can sign deals off of the 40-man, but there's not much buzz um they're not you know some teams are talking the cardinals have adopted a stance of not talking to the public or not talking to the media um not talking to the public through the media i guess is the way to say that um so there's just not much conversation about um from the team or about what the team could do that, that usually happens around this time of year uh, no question. And at this point, you're already down there, probably February 6th, getting ready for everything to happen about a week later, getting some early advanced stories going. And we just don't know when the start of spring training will be. As I understand it, before we kind of get into the meat of this, is that you know, mm-hmm. you're talking about February 16th that you had to have a deal done by now because you, you, you need 
a couple weeks to get everybody, get the logistics, COVID-19 protocol, people into the country, etc. And if you want to start right. March 31st, the regular season, you probably need March 1st to be the start date of spring training, which means in about 10 days, you have to have a deal done. Do I, do I have it about right? Yeah. Um, my, my, the way it's been explained to me is you had to have progress toward a deal, say some kind of agreement of general structures or the big issues that then over the next eight days could tighten up into a deal. Right. And that progress, you could start working towards spring training in that time. Like, like you said, you got to get work pieces, you got to go through COVID protocols. They got to agree on some of the COVID protocols. All those things are in place. So you, they wanted to have forward progress toward a deal agreement on some of the bigger things right about now to start spring training on time. Um, that all along was not much of, uh, you know, a deadline, um, starting spring training on the traditional time, but you're right. That first week of March, um, I've, I've heard March 4th mentioned as you want to have some agreement in place that a deal is done. And then over the next eight days, they could work on it as teams report. But you're right. I mean, it's, we're right in the thick of when they start to, where every day spent without a deal is a day deleted from spring training at this point. If you if the if MLB lifts the lockout, then that would mean that we're getting close, and that's kind of what what you were talking about. That, that you're close to an agreement, or at least you're at the point where both sides are getting closer, and you can start resuming activity, and then eventually an agreement gets done. Um, how do we get there? I mean, that's a complicated question, but how do we how do we get there? What is the furthest apart right now between the union and management? So. Well, I mean, there's a huge financial gap there on how they're going to pay pre-arbitration players from the pool. So you can just put a dollar figure on that, where one side is, is suggesting that the pool be $10 million, and the other side drops their request to $100 million. So you're talking, you know, a gap 10 times the size at that point. Um, of greater concern at this point, Tom, is just the lack of conversation, um, either because the owners are resistant to it or because the players want to try to get some agreements elsewhere on on the CBT, which is essentially the luxury tax, right? The number above which when teams pay their payroll above that number, they start incurring penalties. The, the players want that higher. Um, the owners don't want to negotiate that at all. It, it hasn't really moved much, um, like the minimum salary, another thing that they want to have, you know, that the players want to see higher. Um, the owners have acknowledged that it could be higher, but the players want to see it even higher than it is. These two things have not really changed much over the last few years and have acted as mechanisms that have led to actually decreases in the average salary. So, you know, they want to see some moon in that, and it just really hasn't been. Again, that's either because one side has said this is a non-starter for us, or the other side said, well, we're not going to get anywhere in that. Um, let's try to work on some other things first. When the word got out that owners wanted to bring in a federal mediator, my mm -hmm. first reaction was, well, great. I mean, that's that's what you need. Let's get these sides talking. Let's go. Let's get somebody neutral in there to get them going. And then when the players responded and said, no, we don't want a federal mediator. We're going to reject that. We need to get back to the table. I'll admit my thought there was, well, they have a point. I mean, we need to get the two sides back together and talking and not delay this any further. I don't know. I, I, 
what was your reaction to all of that, if any? Well, my thought was, first and foremost, the, the Major League Baseball had said that they would come to the union with a counteroffer after the most recent offer from the union. And instead of doing that, the union learned through media reports that the MLB had gone and sought a third-party mediator, gone to the government to say, hey, we'd like to invite a mediator to the table. A completely voluntary process. Um, you know, the union could agree to it, and the suggestions of the mediator would not be binding. So keep that in mind. But I did think it was a little odd that the union would learn of the Major League Baseball not offering a counterproposal and instead going to the mediator. It just seemed a little bit... Um, like throwing their hands up in the air without making the phone call, right? And, you know, if you're going to have negotiations in good faith, maybe go to the union first and say, hey, look, well, let's do a mediator here because our counterproposal is not going to make you happy either. Um, instead, the, the order of events weren't that. And th- that's a little bit disconcerting. And you can see why the union would push back on that because the union doesn't want to get in the spot where they reject a mediator, um, the owners can come over the top and say, well, now they're, they're not, they refuse to negotiate, they refuse to seek help and declare an impasse. And, then, and that's a big word um, in this, and they can start imposing things. That's where you don't want to get. Yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely right. You know, I think back to 1994, and mm-hmm. if I have this history right, the players decided to walk away because it was at a time in the summer when it would hurt the owners the most. And the thought was, well, they won't cancel the world series. I mean, they're going to have to come back to us. And then the owners said, guess what? World series canceled. And then this lingered into 95 and created a real mess. I don't know that we're going there, but the players do seem dug in and, you know, I guess any sort of back and forth or volley, as you put it in your great story in the post-dispatch is Something rather than silence. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we can learn a little bit from what happened in 94 and 95 because there are some faint outlines of similarities, right? You're right. I mean, you know, people ask, well, what's the difference between what happened then and what happened now? Well, the big thing was that the owners started a season without a CBA. So they did not lock the players out in spring training and say, we need to come to an agreement. The owners said, well, we'll continue with the current agreement while negotiate um, and essentially ceded them the power of the players to strike. Um, the players did that, as you mentioned, when it would hurt most um, there, when they felt like the urgency was highest, they did, uh, you know, there was a request for a mediator um, and they, the both sides did go to it. It did not go well. And the result of that was the cancellation of the world series. Um, eventually, you know, there was a declaration of an impasse, and it did get to the courts, if you remember. And even then, I mean, even some of that stuff was just settled not too long ago because there was uh, the argument that <clears throat> the owners had <clears throat> prematurely or uh, or unfairly declared that they could not negotiate. Uh, Derek, I, I have this question, too, and that is with regard to tanking and a draft lottery. How uh, realistic is that, as the two sides have talked about that, haven't they? But it it does come down to the number of picks involved in that lottery. Correct, yeah. So there are some elements, and that's one of them, a draft lottery, where both agree, which I think is fascinating. One, you know, we mentioned earlier that, you know, they do see the need to pay younger players earlier before the arbitration. It's how they get there. 
um, two, that the draft lottery would significantly change the value teams put on draft picks and they would disincentivize tanking, you know, the race to the bottom, so to speak. It would make it far more likely for a team to say, well, we got to compete to get to 82 wins as opposed to why compete to get to 82 when we can spend less and get 74, 71, and maybe get the first pick. Or what we've seen um, a little this past year, all the 100 lost teams. So both sides have kind of keyed on this draft lottery as a way to address tanking. And it's just a matter of where, where the difference is is the teams involved. Um, you know, one side wants more teams involved, the other side wants fewer. Um, and, you know, the owners want to g- limit the number of teams that have access to the draft lottery. The union is floating the idea that you'd have more teams involved. Um, that way it makes sense, right? The, owner, the, the union wants to get more teams spending money and thus, you know, have them fall just shy of the playoffs but still be eligible for the draft lottery. Well, there's a very nice story written by Derek on the situation, and I know he's following it closely, but I have to close here with one Cardinals question because we've gone 13 minutes without talking Cardinals, and that is the fact that there will actually be activity in Jupiter, won't they? Because won't there? Because the minor league players who aren't on the 40-man can start working out, and I do believe that uh, we'll have a gathering of owners down there. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, first, coming this week, this next week, um, the owners' meetings, not the Cardinals' owners' meetings, but the Major League Baseball owners are in Florida. Um, so look for that to be kind of the next milestone for this, especially as I would imagine uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred's going to have a press conference there. It, at some point in time during the week, they have to acknowledge the delayed start to spring training. They're going to have to like actually acknowledge that, I would imagine. Um, but to the Cardinal point, um, that first week of March, yeah, minor league camp is going to open. Um, teams are not going to open camps early, minor league camps early, but they are going to open. Um, so for players not on the 40-man roster, and for the Cardinals, that's a wealth of their top prospects. You know, you're talking about Nolan Gorman. You're talking about Matthew Libertor. These are some players, um, you know, Alec Burroughs, and these are guys who could contribute at some point in the 2022 season and they'll be able to start on time, work with coaches. They already can. Um, some of them rehabbing, you know, like an Ian Bedell. Those guys working uh, back from injury can work with coaches, can work with club officials, can be there at the site. Um, it's the guys on the 40-man that cannot, which really puts like a pinch on a young player like a Juan Yapez, right, new to the 40-man roster um, and can't go to minor league camp. Um, doesn't have that benefit at a year when they're counting on him to contribute right from the get-go. Derek, I really appreciate the time. I always say this, if you can start your day with a coffee and a newspaper and KMOX Radio, you're in good shape. And the Post-Dispatch beat writer Derek Gould does such a terrific job. I really appreciate the time on this. Yeah, it's a pleasure talking to you, Tom. Uh, Hopefully we get to see each other in Florida at some point here. Um, as opposed to just talking about how there's not much baseball to talk about. I'm with you on that. I miss it, and uh, we'll have a good time down there. I'm going to remain optimistic. Uh, Best to you, and uh, I'll see you down there. All right. Looking forward to it, Tom. Hurricane wings on me, all right? Oh, man. You're on on that. I can't wait. Love that. Derek Gould, Post-Dispatch beat writer. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 